This episode of the Skift podcast features a discussion from a recent online Skift event. To join us and learn more about future Skift events, visit live.skift.com. Please welcome the CEO and President of MGM Resorts International, William Hornbuckle, in conversation with Skift hospitality reporter, Cameron Spearance. Good day, Bill. Thanks for joining us. How's it going? Great, Cameron. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks for joining us. Um, I want to jump right into a topic that the virtual halls of Skift have grown tired of hearing me talk about, and that's the world of concrete. Um, major event, normally 50 or 60,000 person conference just hosted in Vegas. All eyes, particularly my own, were on it just to kind of see um, how eager people were going to be to get back to citywide conventions. I know attendance wasn't expected to be back to full normal um, last week, but I mean, what were your takeaways of how that event went and how does it make you read the tea leaves going forward towards a recovery for the greater hospitality industry, but especially your your fair city of Las Vegas? Yeah, uh, fundamentally, nothing has changed. Um, we're in an environment here where visitation, uh, look, we're selling out 80, 90% weekend, 70, 80% midweek and growing consistently. Um, it was the first group back. And if you think about that particular profile in that event, it normally has 50 or 60,000, as you suggested, it had a little over 10,000 that came in. Reality is it's scheduled every January. It's coming back next January. For that particular industry, uh, January is buying season, summer is pouring season. And so literally many of the folks were out working. <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're just not concerned with it. We have other groups that have come in and they'll have like-minded um, um, varying things. Some are oversold, some are going to be the same, meaning in the context of what happened in the world of concrete. We have another one here at MGM uh, at, at Mandalay Bay, which, you know, we have a, a large facility as well. Um, it's, it's a surfaces convention. That one will be about 50%. Same kind of reason. It's coming back in January again. And so I think for the next 12 months, we're going to see some ebbs and flows. But I think for the destination, what's really important is that whether it's ebbing or flowing, the bottom line push for leisure travel and just the return to escape and tourism in general in Las Vegas of note, um, it's been incredible. And I think it'll continue to be incredible for the balance of the year. I think 22 will begin to stabilize. Hopefully we bring back international visitation at that point in time. And, you know, I think by this time next year, then you'll get a true measure of group activity and what COVID may or may not have meant to attendance, large and or small. I would say this though, when you sell product, uh, concrete's an, a great example. Surface is a great example. You need to be live. You know, the, the idea of, you know, maybe getting small meetings in an environment like we're currently on now is one thing. But when you have large products to sell, CES, concrete, surfaces, and many other things that Las Vegas enjoys hosting, um, it's a different environment. I think one fundamentally that won't change over time. Great. Well, I mean, on that note, a year ago, we were all saying leisure travel would come back first. I, I mean, I think this summer it's going to be a lot better than anyone was expecting. Um, yes. Then business transient and finally group and convention. Um, but in recent months, there have been murmurs and outright discussion on investor calls from various hotel companies that convention and group might actually leapfrog over the expected business transient recovery. I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, are you a little bit more optimistic about group and convention coming back or where do you see things going? We are here, but remember our profile is a little different. I mean, we do large scale groups. We do um, citywide events, you know, and, and again, concrete is the example. Uh, individualized corporate travel is less of a thing here. 
Um, leisure is leading the way. Group and corporate at scale will come back. Um, we think um, association business will be large in first. Um, we think corporate America will show up. Our tech industry, uh, which is such a large piece of the business here in Las Vegas, and particularly for MGM Resorts, is about 40-odd percent of our room nights. For 22, has more room nights on the books today than it did in 2019. Um, and so if you look at 22 and 23, we're up single digit, uh, you know, like 105, 108% over where we were in 19. Um, and, and again, I think the important part is that fundamentally, uh, major tech companies, corporate America is going to show up back in Las Vegas and I think other destinations. I don't think that piece is going to change. Small meetings may take some time. You know, mm -hmm. it's easier to do this for 25 people. Uh, or individual travel, corporate travel for sales and things of that nature may take some time. Um, but I, I don't know in the long run that anything is going to change. And, and I, I do believe in, for the next 18 months, the, the void, the delta, particularly in a vacation destination, tourist destination like Las Vegas, is going to be more than satisfied. And we've, and we've you know, in the last 90 days, we've just seen it literally on fire. It's just, it's been incredible. Um, around events, um, you know, a lot of our event program is off to the races. Things are literally selling out in 20 minutes, like 18,000 seat venues. Uh, it's you know, it's great. <laughs> Thank God America's coming back and coming back with a vengeance. Absolutely, it's what we like to hear. Um, you know, I, I do want to focus more on looking ahead, but I did want to rewind a little bit just to kind of for our audience put things into perspective. I mean, you've been with MGM Resorts for a while now, but na officially named CEO last summer. I mean. Talk about how do you make a mark on the top job like that coming in when you did, when the typical drivers that make the business hum, or at least some of the typical drivers that make the business hum, like conventions, entertainment, inbound travel are pretty much at a standstill. And I mean, how do you navigate through that from day one? Look at battlefield promotion, uh, clearly. Um, <laughs> you know, one week I was handling COVID from an operational perspective, the following week I was acting CEO. Um, and it didn't slow down. It stopped outright. Um, you know, in, in um, March of late March of last year, we were completely closed. We laid off about 63,000 employees in about, I don't know, 12 days. Uh, it was painful. It was very painful. But, you know, Las Vegas has seen its ups and downs. Um, we suffered the tragedy of 10-1. We suffered the Great Recession. Uh, we 9-11. Uh, and I've seen a lot of those ebbs and flows, nothing to this degree where we were outright closing all of our doors. Um, it did give us a chance to rethink, to rethink the business, to talk about, you know, how to, how to regroup the business and how to go forward. And we took that opportunity to do all of that. And so I, I think, I don't think, I know uh, with the exception of our balance sheet, we're going to come out of this a much healthier company from an operating perspective. We feel really good about how we're going forward. Um, and thankfully, our board had the foresight a couple of years ago to, to sell down. Uh, you know, we, we basically formed a REIT, so mm -hmm. we're an asset light company. And so, you know, our liquidity is large. And so we're sitting on roughly $6 billion and thinking about the future and what to do with that, which is exciting. And now that, you know, with a couple of exceptions, Detroit, Michigan, still at 50% occupancy levels, uh, Empire, our casino right outside of New York City is about the same. With those two exceptions, everything's back full bore. And come July 1st weekend here, or the fourth weekend, um, our events are back. The O Show opens up by way of example. And so um, in the full entertainment complement, if you will, that we've always enjoyed is back in full force come July. But it, it's been a hell of a year uh, and it's been a long year. Um, and, you know, labor is an interesting thing. Um, some of our people have rethought life. 
how you know how to think about hospitality, how to think about their careers. Uh, others are motivated uh, to do more uh, within the company, and so they've given we've been giving those opportunities across the board. Uh, but it's been a very interesting year. Um, one I don't look to relive, um, but uh, one that I think I don't think I know we're going to come out a stronger company because we've already begun to experience that over the last couple of months. Yeah, Bill. I mean, we've been talking about labor quite a bit. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to think that just in a matter of weeks, it went from people wondering if if hotel jobs are ever going to come back to we're right back to that pre-pandemic hospitality story of labor shortages left and right. Um, I mean, what are you doing there? I mean, I know there's always the question of wage inflation. And I mean, also the idea that a lot of these workers may have left the industry altogether. So, I mean, how do you get people back at a time when it's pretty competitive to, to staff up? And look, it's always been competitive. And this summer we have the added competition with uh, uh, resorts down the street, you know, opening a 3000 room hotel, which is great for the overall market and the destination. Yeah. It continues to expand and tell the story. Um, we're a couple thousand employees short. Any normal time frame, we usually run about 1500 openings. We're probably pushing 2000 right now. And it's really isolated to about five or six key categories, some culinary categories, some housekeeping categories, Security, interesting of note, um, and you know we're doing everything. We're not pushing up wages in general. We are bonusing folks to come on board and things of uh, things at one time. Hopefully, bring them back. Um, and as you know, as I think we see some of the government subsidy, some of the unemployment fold uh, fold away, if you will, or, or, or slow down, go away. Um, you'll see more and more come back to work, and as less concerns about the health and safety um, mm -hmm. for themselves, their family, etc. Uh, and as school got back, and one of the challenges we had early on this spring was all of our school system wasn't back in play. And so working mothers literally had childcare issues. And so it, you know, it was a challenge um, and there will continue to be a challenge, I think, throughout the summer. But I, I can't imagine over time, you know, I think all of Southern California seems to be moving here. <laughs> um, and so I think over time we're going to be just fine. Good to hear. Um, you know, you mentioning the future of the company, a, a major growth conversation surrounding MGM over the last year has been online gaming via the Bet MGM platform. Um, even had Barry Diller's IAC investing in the company just based on the prospect of online gaming. Gaming, and uh, you know, to use your words on an investor call a couple months ago, we think this is where the industry is going. We want to be a larger part of it. There've been some really impressive numbers. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong here. I think in that first quarter investor call, it was said that BetMGM's revenues could hit a billion dollars, um, which is pretty striking considering last year it was 178 million. So, I mean, what does that say about the future of the company? And also, I mean, what does that say for resort demand? I mean, do future hotels get smaller because more people are staying at home gambling or, or what? what is this? How should we read this? Um, no, to answer the last question first. <laughs> but let me, let me look. Um, yeah, next year we we believe we'll do uh, a billion dollars in, in NGR, um, principally through sports betting. iGaming is now in five states. Um, we've had the good fortune of being number one, two, or three in either sports betting or iGaming in all of the 12 states we're in. Um, we see that growing to 20. Um, there are several states that currently have legislation pending this spring, this fall. And so we see it as a critical part of the industry going forward. It's one that that I also believe there'll be four or five key contenders. Uh, and I think the balance of the industry will be gobbled up, if you will, over time. Um, we, we are in it for the long haul. We think it's uh, absolutely uh, important that fundamentally it's part of who and what we are as we go forward, both domestically and potentially globally. Um, look, I, 
I've been hearing this for 30 years that first tribal gaming and then riverboats and, you know, all the regional casinos, they've all become, if you think about it, a feeders for Las Vegas. You know, we, mm -hmm. we peaked out at 46 million visitors. Um, it's a way to have arguably consistent contact with customers. It's a way to motivate and incentivize customers to come to uh, Las Vegas or any of our resorts for that matter, whether it's in Maryland, uh, Mississippi, Detroit, et cetera. Um, and so we see it as completely additive. Um, we see it as an incremental way to reach and touch customers on a consistent basis and invite them out. Um, and I don't see it as predatory at all. To the contrary, um, I see it as, as expanding the reach and getting people engaged in understanding product that they might not otherwise understand. And, and the notion, particularly for this community, meaning Las Vegas, where um, I just literally left a meeting uh, with all the athletic directors at the Pac-12 down at Raiders Stadium. Mm -hmm. The enthusiasm around bringing programming to this community at scale for events and bowl games uh, is unprecedented. Um, you know, we've seen it with our own Golden Knights. We had 18,000 fans on Monday night at T-Mobile Arena. This fall, we're going to fill up Allegiant Stadium every game. Every They've announced five events. All five have sold out, flat out, full stop. And so, no, I, I see sports betting as a way for engagement. I don't see it as a negative. I see it as a positive in the long run. And a short one for that matter. Yeah, definitely. And, and I guess kind of as follow-up, I mean, does this, and it seemed like you answered this already, but I mean, does it put even more of a need for, I guess, bigger events at a resort, more stock in residencies? I mean, you mentioned the resort going up uh, up the street that happened to lure Celine Dion as well as a couple of others away for, for residencies under one roof. Um, I, I mean, is that going to be even more important to kind of lure people into Vegas? Yeah, I, yeah, I think we've we've managed successfully to raise the bar. You know, we're talking about the Super Bowl. We're talking about the national championship game. We're talking about the final four. We're talking about Celine. We have Gaga and Bruno Mars. We're, we're targeting two other mega stars for all of that. And so the bar keeps raising, the experience keeps raising. Um, and so I, I, you know, I think it's all affirmative. There's a lot of competition, you know, mm -hmm. to be, you know, to be straightforward about it. Um, big believer that if we raise the bar high enough, uh, you know, all of us float much better. We own nine resorts in this one community and the advent I think of resorts and people coming to Celine on a consistent basis just helps us all. Uh, particularly when you own literally half of Las Vegas Boulevard. <laughs> and so, you know, they're not all, the average visitor visits five other places. That, you know, good news, bad news. For us, they go to the other ones as well, but that's what they do. And so to the extent visitation is attracted by their offering, uh, they've got four megastars down there as well. I think it's additive to all of us. Great, great. I wanted to take a little bit of time to look outside of Vegas. I mean, Las Vegas Sands leaving its namesake city to focus on Asia, um, at least for the time being. I mean, how do you view Asia for your own expansion or growth plans um, in the years ahead? Look, really important. I mean, you know, what happens in Vegas impacts our company too much still. Um, so we're looking to diversify both into digital and into Asia. Those are those are really, if you said, where, where are the growth benchmarks and where do you want to go? It's really into digital, digital gaming and, and other opportunities where the convergence of gaming and entertainment combined, but it's digital platforms and it's Asia. Um, it's critical that we get our license renewed uh, whenever the programming is identified in Macau. Um, as of right now, uh, it's supposedly by June of next year, we're supposed to be told you know, what what's to be had going forward. Um, understand it's probably gonna be delayed, but we don't know that factually yet, but, but assuming so. Uh, and, and the other important piece for us is Japan. Um, We've spent the better part of now seven years pursuing uh, an integrated resort at scale in Japan. 
Uh, we love the marketplace. We've identified Osaka as a landing zone. Uh, we've partnered with Oryx, which is a major company in um, stationed uh, in Osaka, but in Japan. Um, and they've become our partner there. Uh, we're the lone standing candidate in an RFP process there. And it's hard to believe, although anything is possible, that Osaka won't end up with a license that uh, ultimately we can't get. Um, but it's a long journey. You know, it's, we've been in this six, almost seven years. It'll probably be another five or six years before an integrated resort would open at scale. But it will be meaningful to the company. Uh, think, go back to your reference to LVS. Think what Singapore did the SANS, it could do for us. Um, and so expanding the footprint and the brand, and we think MGM's brand is very relevant there. We've studied it enough to understand it. Um, and we think the type of entertainment program we can bring to a place like Osaka is also meaningful. And so we're excited. Um, time to tell, it's probably this time next year before the national government opines, um, but we hope to be there uh, ready ready and willing to go. It's very exciting to hear. Um, you know, I, I did want to, while we have a little bit of time left, I want to get into some of what the pandemic's legacy might be for your company and then just the broader hospitality sector. I mean, hotels were moving towards pretty major sustainability initiatives ahead of the pandemic and suddenly the health crisis hits and unfortunately we're, a lot of people are back to single use plastics. Um, how can a company like yours hold on to issues of sustainability and social impact during the pan during a downturn like the pandemic, which is when people honestly expect initiatives like that to kind of get scuttled in favor of just sort of the quest for survival? Well, I think at its core, a fun you know fundamentally again is a fortress balance sheet, and we've been fortunate in that respect because it's enabled us to continue to do some things. Um, we had benchmark. Um, you know, reducing our carbon footprint as a key benchmark between now and 2030. Um, and so we have gone out and contract, and this was ongoing all through COVID. It was a push through COVID, um, but we're gonna literally cut the ribbon next week on a solar plant. It's about 25 miles north of here. Um, it sits on almost 700 acres and it will power 90% of our daytime power, 90%. We have 68 million square feet of space here in Las Vegas alone. Um, it will be one of the largest arrays of its kind, servicing a private company of its kind anywhere in the world. And we're proud of it. Uh, we're proud of the activity we've done to date. We're proud of that. Um, and so we've continued to push down the road, if you will, as we reconstituted the company and brought it back to, quote, life, if you will, in terms of the culture, uh, diversity and inclusion, a lot of the social programming and issues that have impacted the, 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 you know, the, the country of note were taken into consideration of how we thought about our people, how we think about our business, how we think about even our customers as we move forward. Um, and so we took all of that on board. And so, you know, between diversity and inclusion, a lot of the social programming and issues surrounding our company and our customers of note, um, generally we were fortunate Las Vegas avoided many of the activities and some of the scenes you've seen in other places, um, but we're not, you know, we're very focused on it as an organization because we are in so many places. Um, and then I think the thing we're most proud of this year is despite all of this, literally we're going to open something very special in 10 days here uh, in the context of the solar array that, you know, when you think about Las Vegas and think about power, you think about 90% of it's going to be serviced by a solar array. Uh, it's going to go a long, long way in reducing our carbon footprint here. Excellent. Just what we like to hear. Um, as far as the guest experience, I mean, we've seen all sorts of moves within the greater hotel industry, contactless check-in, health and safety initiatives, um, reimagining the buffet experience. I know that's a big one in Vegas. So, I mean, 
what ultimately out of all these shifts is going to be sort of the lasting thing that, that a guest at one of your properties is experiencing five years from now? Um, the, the move to mobile, uh, without yeah. a doubt. You know, I mean, we literally put uh, with something with a project that was taking years. We finally got done in three months because we had to get it done. And so mobile check-in that serves as your room key, that serves as your, you know, you go up to a stand now if there's a line at something and you swipe and it calls you when it's your turn to go in. And then if you think about all that, the ability to contact and stay connected to a customer uh, through their mobile device um, takes a big place and, and Bellagio is, you know, 4,000 rooms. And so despite its nature and its five-star desire for service, um, it's a lot of people. And so the ability to take mobile and, and minimize the impact of volume is critical. And so you can check in the moment you land and your room key's in your hand. You can avoid all of that and go right to your room. You can buzz down for reservation. You can buzz down for a cabana. And so it's, it's basically a mobile concierge, if you will. Um, and at varying levels, we've begun to program more and more services for our higher tiered customers. And so it's really about connectivity in that context and, and the, the digital platform and and ultimately the data that it'll provide us to be able to reach our customers and give them what they want or what they're historically used to. And that's a legacy that won't go away. And so, you know, COVID made us do it a whole lot quicker <laughs> and became a, a much more important initiative. And it's worked. Um, almost 40% of our folks now check in on a mobile device um, and they never come to the front desk. Wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a meaningful, you know, if you've ever checked in on a Friday night at a Las Vegas hotel, it's a meaningful way around that activity. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> At least I, now. I, I wish 80% of our folks did it. You know, we're there. I, I, you know, I'd love to have everything mobile and people concierge. How can I help you? Uh, you know, we're there to be hospitable, not to check you in. I want to get you in. It's a process we want to avoid. I want to quickly get you what you want and need um, and be there for how can I help you, not how can I get you into your guest room. And so I, I, that's a, that will be without a doubt the digital legacy of, of COVID in the last couple of years or, or last year. Great. Well, we like to end things on a high note or at least an optimistic one. So, I mean, summer's here. Sounds like Vegas is doing is bouncing back very quickly. Um, what makes you hopeful as travel's coming back? And I mean, how do you balance maybe the near-term shifts in demand to your own long-term goals for the company? Um, enthusiasm for the product and the destination, the environment, you know, the, I mean, we put a concert on sale for next April. It sold out in 17 minutes. Billy Irish sold out in 17 minutes. We put a, all over the spectrum. We put a BYU football game on December 10th at Legion Stadium, sold 50,000 tickets in two days. Um, so the, the appetite for the destination, the appetite for the product um, it continues to make us very encouraged. Uh, you know, you, one never knows when you go through a crisis like this, how will this rebound? How quickly will it rebound? Uh, the answer is quickly. <laughs> the answer is with real velocity. And I think it's sustaining. I, I think, you know, for a lot of folks, particularly when it comes to leisure, spending money and places to go and see and experience life, um, Las Vegas is, offers something that's a great escape that I think they're going to continue to want to do. And we're excited about what we've seen over the last 90 days. I'm more excited about what I see for the next 90 days. And I think, you know, when we started this conversation as we begin to more normalize and our group business returns, international travel again begins to pick up. Um, I, I think we'll see ourselves at a much better plateau and, and a much different place. And one that we're really encouraged by, across, not only here in Las Vegas, but across our environment and across our system. People got exposed because gaming was one of the few things that was open to do 
to something that they had never done. And the demographic of our customers has shifted younger. And I'm really excited by that because I was worried about that historically over time. And I've seen a demographic shift to younger through at least COVID and coming out of this. And so time to tell what it all means in the long run, but it's positive and I feel very good about all of it. Excellent. Well, Bill, I'm getting pinged that our time is up. So I, I think that's a good note to end on. Thank you so much for joining us today and hope we can have you back sometime soon. Thank you, man. Anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you.